Hello and welcome to Gaming Together, a cooperative podcast. I'm your host, Philip, and I'm here with my co-op partner, Nave. Each pod, we'll play through a cooperative experience, then relate to you, the listener, if this game is the creme de la creme of co-op, or something better off playing solo. So, Nave, how's it been? It's been going pretty good. Um, it's been rainy, not good. Actually, I changed my mind. I changed my answer. Dude, same here. Like, uh, the lightning has just been out of control. It's woken me up in the middle of the night where I thought we might have just gotten hit by lightning bolts. But <laughs> you, know. you go outside, it's just destroyed. Like it's a Resident Evil game. No joke. When I was working on the flight line, like we have, okay, in the Air Force, smoking is not encouraged. Cigarettes, you know? So we have designated smoke pits where that's the only place you're allowed to smoke on Air Force bases. You can't just walk outside a door and smoke. So our smoke pit is like right outside our door, pretty much, though. And there's like a, a war crime. Yeah, the there's a single smoke pit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, they sound brutal. And so there's like a light post right above it. And one day, like we were on lightning, so we weren't allowed to go out to the planes because we might get hit by lightning. And but all these people were still out at the smoke pit because that has a slight overhang. And there's a lamppost out there. And the lamppost got hit by a lightning bolt. And I was like, I was inside looking out at the smoke pit and I just watched it happen. And it was one of the loudest things I've ever heard. And all of a sudden, you just see all these people just, like, running back inside the building. <laughs> like, is they're all like, oh, no, oh, no. Fucking this Godzilla is actually happening. Up. This is what we were training for. Well, uh, one thing we should bring up is that well, uh, we do have uh, a different setup than we did the first time for the Halo podcast. I went out and bought myself a, a webcam. And you're using a iPad webcam, right? Yeah, I'm talking through iPad. Oh, so we will be able to like see each other. I mean, there's not going to be a video element for this for a long time because that's like that's a whole another fucking bag of forms. But we could see each other, and it's a little bit more na- uh, natural. We can see when we're wanting to interject. So, Nave, what you been playing lately? Looks like you got old Resident Evil Village down here. Holy shit, man! I I've been streaming this game just in case I wanted to make some kind of video about it or something. It's so phenomenal. It's so good. Um, I rarely, rarely buy games for sixty dollars, and this game is worth it's it's worth it. It's it's just had me engrossed. It's really affected the podcast a little bit because all I want to do is fucking play <laughs> that game. I was part of it too because I was watching you stream it for about four hours straight instead of us actually playing the game we were working on. I also when I went out and bought the webcam, I also bought a new headset, a wireless one, and I've never had a wireless headset before. And there were some audio troubles towards the end of like that four hour stint. Hopefully it doesn't happen. I'm using that same headset right now, so hopefully we don't run into some ridiculous... Because it was like a horrible screech every like eight or nine seconds. It'd just be a, a screech mm-hmm. for like a half a second. It was awful. But uh, Village is great. Um, I don't even really want to... It's so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Re- you know. LOL. Yeah. But um, I get it. I, I hardly want to talk about it because it, all of the things that happen, it's so absurd that you just want to i just want people to experience it for themselves the gameplay is amazing uh it's very tense you barely ever have enough ammo i'm playing on normal and i feel like i'm constantly running out of ammo and supplies it's very very intense but not overwhelming i think i've only died once and that's because i oopsied into a fucking boss fight without any fucking ammo and so i was like okay i need to go back and get some ammo so it says you're still playing arena oh yeah Uh, 
are you climbing ranked in arena or are you just what are you doing with that i've been playing ranked and i even started a excel document tracking which decks like i'm getting the most wins on and i've been maybe like i don't know close to 60 games in in just the last like four days or so which is a lot for me from like not playing that much at all to just like deep diving into it and so i've been keeping literally a spreadsheet trying to figure out which deck is my highest chance of winning ranked because at that point my only point is just trying to get wins so i can unlock more packs and get more experience to get more cards to get more wins like it's a never-ending cycle like there are kind of like sillier decks that i enjoy playing like um like the transforming mutation decks where it's just like you have one creature that morphs into a bigger creature every time you play a new one but those of course are stopped by any form of removal where it's just like i'm just gonna kill this one creature and so it's not very sustainable but it is so funny whenever i can get a single creature that is just like stacking on abilities and once i get hexproof on it then it just keeps on going unless they just happen to have like a board wipe not a whole lot of board wipes in standard no not really there's like one that's like kill all non-giants but if i can make him a giant all right so there's a mutate thing that makes him a giant or are you mutating him onto it you'd have to mutate a giant originally okay that makes sense uh the thing when you said when you were talking about the the spreadsheet it made me it just opened one of those locked doors way back in the back of my head from my childhood and i remember i used to i would play on the nintendo 64 and i'd play this game called f-zero and it's like a racing game where it's like a futuristic racing game where you're going like a thousand miles an hour in like hover cars and i would i had a notepad and I, in order to try and figure out what my favorite racer was, I would race the same, the very first racetrack. I would race it over and over and over again with each different car to figure, and I would write my times down and I would average them out. And it's like, oh, we are fucking geeks, dude. Yeah, you're over here min-maxing. Uh, another game I've been playing is Dragon Quest Builders 2. Um... Actually, I haven't played it since we did the Halo thing, but really all I've been playing is Village and It Takes Two. Mm -hmm. And so this Dragon Quest Builders game, uh, I'm a big fan of JRPGs. And I, of course, Dragon Quest is a huge name in that. And it looks like a little chibi anime version. You're you're running around like little tiny people. And I figured it'd be kind of a light RPG, but really it's more like an action RPG, Mm -hmm. like a, a very basic action RPG on top of a Minecraft building thing. So the the builders is literally you're building stuff. I don't know why I didn't... I don't know what I expected when I was playing it to, for the game to be, but um, you're literally just going around from, like, island to island. And there is a loose story, which I think is just a tutorial that'll eventually spit me out into a big open world. But um, there's a little bit of a story where it's just teaching you... Like, right now I'm learning about farming and everything. Yeah, and that's um, the part I'm on too. I'm also playing through it, and you have your Sasuke-looking partner that follows you around everywhere. He's, he's not evil, club. and he's not going <laughs> to betray you or anything, even though he looks like Dio. Yeah, and he he looks like Vegeta mixed with Dio, doesn't he? <laughs> with yeah. a giant club, and uh, he's he's following you around. He has amnesia, of course, so he doesn't know if he's evil or not. Yep. Um. It's very childlike the story and everything. Like I, I'm to the point where the mon- all the monsters they hate people who are builders. I'm not sure why, but I think it's just to get the plot moving. And mm-hmm. 
one of the monsters of like, I'm going to kill this tree. And then you're like, don't. And he's like, okay, I won't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Build some more stuff. <laughs> like, like, everybody's so friendly after you just talk to them. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, well, maybe I don't hate you. I don't, I don't yeah. know. But I'm um, like, I didn't have a reason to hate you. Just uh, discrimination before, but now I'm not so sure. This is so deep. Dragon yeah. Quest Builders 2 lore. Yeah. That lore. It says you're playing uh, Slay the Spire. Every single time I go to invite you to play, it takes two, you're playing this game. So tell me about that. Oh, man. So it's roguelike, uh, card, deck builder. Uh, that's all there is to say about it. You get in there. It's a whole designed card game from a RPG standpoint where you're clearing dungeons. And so your health carries over fight to fight, which makes it a brutal game of survival because you got to get through three massive worlds and you start from the very beginning, a deck of just 10 cards, and you draft a new card after every monster you beat. And there's like four different major flavors or colors of decks. It's just a, I don't know, brutal experience. Because sometimes you'll have the perfect luck of the draw and you'll have the perfect deck. But then you'll fight a single monster who his deck just happened to counter your deck through one like single throwaway card. Like, I don't want to really get into it too much at this point because there's not much to get into. It's just a roguelike card drafting game. You've been playing a lot of card games. Sounds yeah. Like... I don't know. I've just been diving into it and watching Pokemon card unboxing videos at this point. <laughs> oh, unboxing videos. Yeah, they got to get that $7 holographic. <laughs> well, let's get to the topic of the day. Uh, we're playing It Takes Two. I think we've mentioned that a thousand times now. This game is a cooperative experience exclusively. So it's one of those games that's perfect for a podcast like this. And we really needed to get into it as soon as possible, I felt like. So what I mean by exclusively is that you cannot play this game by yourself. It Takes Two. <laughs> Roll the credits. Oh, man. You have a partner. And... In most games that are like this, like if you play Army of Two or Cannon Lynch or anything like that, the partner will become uh, controlled by the AI. That way you can play the game solo. Well, this game, it will not allow you to do that. You have to have somebody that you can communicate with. And one thing that is really fun about that is uh, it's like, well, wow, that's that's just a way for people. That's just a way for them to sell two copies of the game so that two people can play together. Um, the game's only $30 and it has... Uh, the, you have the ability to play the game even if you don't own it. Uh, do you want to? Uh, do you yeah. want to talk about that, Steven, Uh So this game is a part of a newer studio, Old Hazelight Studios, who you wrote in like they did a way out, another co-op center game. Can you play that one solo or no? Uh, no, it's the same situation with uh, a way out. Yeah. So like, that's already the history of the studio. If you just look at their lead director, I think it's. Uh, Josef Ferris, maybe? He's Swedish, so I don't know how to pronounce Joseph. But Joseph Ferris. Is it Joseph? I'm, I'm not sure. sure. Yeah, at this point, we're just moving on. Sorry, Joseph, uh, if you're listening out there. But he did A Tale of Two Sons back in the like original launch of the Xbox One. Like, he was the lead director for that game, which that one was also a co-op experience, but you were able to control both characters. I think it was even like each one would be a different thumbstick. And so you would, like, play with different sides of the controller. It's very interesting. Yeah, like, this guy's out there making waves. And one tweet he even put out after, like, the roaring success of It Takes Two 
Uh, he quote, this shows that there definitely is players that also want to play co-op only games. And thank everyone for downloading the game, all this stuff. But this shows that like couch co-op is still something that people want. If we look at Halo 5, for instance, uh, does not have split screen co-op, if I remember correct. It was. It does not have split screen, and that was a a disaster for PR for them. It's the very yeah. first Halo game that didn't have a uh, couch co-op. You know, we're kind of Xbox fanboys or Halo fanboys or whatever, or at least I am. I don't know, Nave, you like some too. Yeah, it hurts that like Microsoft's just turning their back on a series that I don't know. Like, you almost expect there to always be a split screen option in a Halo game. Like, that's the game that you can just plop in the disc grab two controllers and just sit on the couch and be like, yeah, let's knock out six hours by running through the campaign real quick. But this guy, old Joseph, uh, he's trying to bring it back. And it's really encouraging to me to see that I'm still going to be able to play games like with my daughters and stuff like that as time goes on. Like these games that directly encourage co-op gameplay throughout. Like if I would reference, um, oh, what was that one game by... Uh, what was it No Break Studios? That's it. Human Fall Flat. That's it. <laughs> Human Fall Flat, which that game can, of course, be played through solo as a platformer, but it's empty and heartless if you do, because there is nothing moving or doing anything in the world. But just putting in one split screen partner brings so much life to that game. Like we might have to include that one at some point. Yeah, we've hit we've hit on a couple of games that would be awesome, uh, awesome topics for the future. Uh, so Human Fall Flat and A Way Out. A Way Out is another game by Hazelight Studios we mentioned earlier, and it's the same idea, and you can see a lot of the DNA if you've played A Way Out in this game. So if you have a friend, or you have a partner, or a daughter or son, that you want to play these relatively simple, uh, very approachable for new player games, A Way Out's very fun. It's about a prison break, and, well, that's already sounds like it's not going to be okay for kids, but there's no prison stuff. I think it's like rated teen or something. Like maybe there's a little language in it and you're breaking out of prison and I really don't want to talk about anything other than that because uh, cause it is, these games are kind of story driven, especially A Way Out is story driven. It Takes Two is actually a lot more driven on the gameplay, but the story is a large factor in why you would want to continue playing. The gameplay in this game is very fluid and fast and we'll reflect on that in a minute. All right, so let's just hit straight into these game mechanics because that is the bread and butter of It Takes Two. This game is, can only be described as just variety. Yeah, this is one of those, you get like the chocolate box, the box of chocolates that has all of the different kinds of chocolates, and you, you never really know which one. I'm, yeah. go, I'm force gumping it, but you never really know what you're going to get. <laughs> no, and you so don't. Every hour, it's, you, you're just, if, if someone would walk into your room every hour, they would, have, they would think you're playing a different game every single time they looked at the screen. Oh, yeah. So we're also going to kind of hit on the story as we go through the mechanics because the story is tied to the mechanics in each of these sections. Each level completely changes how you play the game. It's always based on a 3D platforming base, but from there, they expand upon it by giving you a new toy to play with in each room. The, uh, that kind of segues into the very first thing. We might as well talk about the hammer and the nail where after you get these mechanics like you if there's a tutorial that shows you how to do the running jumping wall sliding and everything and then whenever you get your hammer and your nail early in the game it turns the game for one of the characters into a third person shooter essentially and then the other person's kind of playing an action platformer 
where they have an attack, they have a melee attack button, and that's it, really. They can kind of Prince of Persia jump around on nails, but the other guy is throwing nails. And, well, why don't we reflect on that? Yeah, well, let's hit the story before we get into tools, like, because it doesn't make sense, like, we just have hammers and nails. But the whole premise of the story is we are each playing as a different parent. Nave was playing as Cody, uh, the dad, and I was playing as Rose, the mom. Cody's a stay-at-home dad that takes care of Rose, the daughter. And May is an engineer who works a lot of late hours. And the whole kind of premise of the game is instantly May comes home, Cody's there, they begin fighting, and they're like, well, this is why we're getting a divorce. Spoilers, they're getting divorced. That's pretty much the name of the game. They then go in, make dinner for Rose, and they explain to her, hey, we're getting a divorce. Rose does not take this well. Uh, she proceeds to run into the garage to hide away, holds little voodoo dolls she made of her parents, cries her tears on them, transforming her parents' souls from their bodies into the dolls where they come to life. Rose doesn't see the dolls coming to life. At that point, she leaves. From there, we are playing as the, this Play-Doh man and this wooden stick doll that represent Cody and May. It's pretty funny because they basically are voodoo dolls, aren't they? I didn't even. Yeah. I never really thought about the that way. Um, one thing that's really interesting about this game is that this game is split screen. It it's literally split screen. Even when you're playing online on two different TVs, you will have a split screen and you'll see the partner character on the other side, which is not something you see ever really. No. The game. A Way Out is also like that, where the split-screen carries over to the online gameplay. And they play with that. They play around with the ability to see what your partner is seeing and everything. It's very cool. Yeah. So back to our hammer and nail. So Cody has the nail that he basically shoots out like a gun. And Rose has the hammer. And I was playing as Rose. So at that point, you could use the hammer to remove nails. And you could use it to swing on nails. And using Cody, who was, like, shooting the nails, I was able to then swing on them after they, like, stuck in the walls. And we platformed around that way. Uh, you also had, uh, I don't think you were hitting the nails. I think you were hitting, like, little buttons. Oh, yeah, that was it. There was buttons on the floor. Or there were glass jars that I could smash. Mm, and, and so I neither of us could much. progress unless we were with each other. And this is where we can introduce Dr. Hakeem, the Book of Love, who is a book that Rose found that is going to fix mom and dad's relationship because it is literally a self-help book about love. Dr. Hakeem, this anim this anamorphized book, he is uh basically the driving force of all of the comedy of the game. The game is very Pixar like. Like I would describe it as if Pixar made a video game that was basically Honey I Shrunk the Kids. And I mean, that's a pretty good pretty Yeah, good that's a good description right there. It, it, you, when you're watching it, when you're watching the cutscenes play out, the voice acting is very good, uh, the music's very good, you're like, uh, it, it, you do get Pixar feelings from it. Like, there's a lot of quality in this, and it's very shocking that it's the studio's second game, because yeah. you, would not, you would not think that. Well, it is produced by EA, so they got the budget, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. They have the backing. All right. But this is where, as Dr. Arkeem would put it, we begin uh, cooperation. 
Uh, is it collaboration? Oh, is it collaboration or cooperation? Collaboration. Oh, yeah, it's collaboration. <laughs> My bad. But uh, yeah, and so you, like, you have to collaborate over um, using the hammer and the nail together because neither can advance with the other one. So we go through a whole segment of killing a vacuum cleaner in a toolbox as we try to get to Rose so she can restore us to normal. Uh, is there anything else you want to hit on before we move on to the next level? The whole asymmetric uh, mechanics gameplay, it, ev- at the end of every section, usually in- it results in a boss fight where you use- both of you are using all of the tools that you've learned to beat it, to beat the boss. And so when in, the, in the hammer and the nail, there is a toolbox. You're trying to get the ru- anti-rust spray to open up the toolbox and fix the hammer. And so you're going to... The, the toolbox swings his arm around, and once his arm gets close to a piece of wood, you can th- uh, the Cody character can throw the nail into the arm and pin it to the wall. And then uh, you can put nails along the arm so that May, who has the hammer, can swing along the arm and get to the other side where you can try and open up the toolbox. And that really is like just a ribbon on each of the cooperative mechanics of each section of the game. Uh, the oh, game yeah. really does have this pattern and it does the pattern very well and none of the mechanics ever really stay overstay their welcome they are always well maybe the moon boots and the we'll get to that afterwards but those those might have overstayed their welcome but each mechanic is uh, mm-hmm. discarded for another mechanic down the line which the next mechanic after that would be the sap and the matches oh yeah in the tree level because we make it out of the shed through the help of the hammer and some binoculars and some other talking objects and we make it into the tree where we meet a militaristic group of squirrels who are at war with wasps and they then think that we are agents of the wasp and to prove that we're not we have to infiltrate the the wasp hideout and get their agent who is currently disguised as the queen because the queen is now turning against the squirrels and it's so stupid sounding and it is so funny because the squirrels are so violent and they are just the worst. Oh, also, you die so much in this game. Like, you're constantly dying, but it never feels bad. Like, anytime mm-hmm. you die, you just puff into dust and come back, just like in any Lego game. But it doesn't feel... Well, the feel... thing in this game is that you have to match yeah. the Y button as well. So there's, like, a little window of time where if your partner also dies, then it's kind of like a, a restart to the last checkpoint. Yeah. But it, it never feels bad when you die. At least I never felt angry or anything. Uh, but the snap and the matches, uh, the breakdown is basically Cody has a flammable sap gun and May has a basically a rifle that shoots flaming matches. So Cody can paint things in sap and May can light them on fire. The cool thing about this mechanic is that um, there is a lot of combat in this section. Whereas the last section, I don't think there was any combat besides the boss fight. Whenever you're using the sap, whenever you're playing as Cody and you're using the sap, you do have to fight against many wasps. And the aim assist is very generous in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, with the accessibility for younger or even older people who aren't really able to play third-person shooters like this, both of you have to cooperate. Uh, and so Cody, with the sap gun, he puts the sap on the wasps. And the nice thing about this is that 
if the wasps get too much sap on them, they'll actually fall to the ground and stop flying around so much. And it makes them a lot easier of a target to hit. So whenever they have sap on them, even just a little bit, May has to shoot the wasp with her match and it explodes them and kills them. Yep. And you do have a couple of mini bosses with that, then a huge boss fight at the end, which uh, you want to talk about that? Yeah, like the final boss. We're talking about the queen, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we go in there, and it is the most obvious giant robot bug you can imagine. The queen does not look like a queen wasp in any imagination. It's just like metal. And the whole premise of the boss fight is, of course, Cody paints different sections of the queen in the explosive goop, and May lights them. And the whole time you're grinding on rails, like, I don't know, Sonic the Hedgehog around the arena. Yeah, like it is so much fun. It almost plays like... um. Was that Microsoft game uh, that came out a while Sunset back? Sunset Overdrive. Yeah, Sunset Overdrive. It was just like that, where all these monsters are flying in the air, try- the wasps are trying to attack you, and you're just spraying and praying, trying to ignite this goop that's painted all over this critter. And after you defeat him? Uh, yeah, whenever the, <laughs> whenever the robot dies, do you want to talk about the story beat, or do you want to keep going on the mechanic? I don't know, probably both. Just take it away there. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Well, so whenever you knock open the wasp, uh, the wasp queen robot, it's actually so the whole time it's been assumed since it's a squirrel, uh, a squirrel army, and that's their insurgent. You think it's a squirrel, but the insurgent is actually a bumblebee. It's like a yeah. really, it looks like something from Banjo Kazooie. It's this really fat like bumblebee with a really high pitched. It's a feminine, uh, a feminine voice, and it's yeah. it's 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 very absurd. Once <laughs> it's once you save the the queen, uh, or once you save the bumblebee, you get you get taken back down to where the squirrels are, and the squirrels <laughs> are so violent. <laughs> yeah, they have Tommy little toy Tommy guns, and they're like, "Why didn't you kill the traitor?" And you're like, "She saved us," and it's instant. Yeah, they're like, good "Kill him!" <laughs> yeah, like then you're all traitors. I am. They the just start shooting at open him. fire. And, you have no time. Like yeah. this, all of this stuff happens so fast. You just have no time to reset to what reality is. It's so absurd. And then you flee the tree. You actually make it into Rosary's room after that. You do have. Actually, I want to pull. I want to bring up. There's another kind of co-op mechanic. I, we almost we almost ran right past it. it that's the flying. Oh, the so Star there's Fox a flying board? section. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, Cody is flying this plane made up of a bunch of various things that the squirrels have stolen from the from their house. Yeah, including <laughs> like his underwear and stuff. Yeah, his underwear is like the thing keeping them up on the wings. And so uh May is manning a turret. So it's kind of it's kind of similar to the Warthog situation in Halo where Callback. I am uh I'm flying around trying to dodge everything while he's shooting everything else out of out of the sky. And the best part about this is <laughs> Once you get to the end of the section, the squirrel leader, the general, shows up, and it turns into a 2D fighter. Oh, I forgot about that. It's that was so, so good. It's like Street Fighter and and Mortal Kombat. It's like a bunch of there's a the the squirrel has so many different moves that are throwbacks to different fighting games. All the all the while, Cody is still trying to not crash into stuff. Yeah, and <laughs> on, so May's up on top of the plane, or I was playing May and. At that point, I was just so blown away by this. Like, I was just laughing and smiling the whole time. Like, I was trying to do, like, quarter turn, Hadoukens, and everything <laughs> else I could. And, like, all these different combos were just happening when you just mash buttons. And I'm like, this is so good. 
yeah, the, like we said at the top, the variety in this game is absolutely ridiculous. Like the game genre shifts for small periods of time over and over and over again. And her best friend, Moon Baboon, overhears us talking well, can you about explain? <laughs> Moon Baboon is one of the stuffed animals from like a astronomy. Like the the mother May bought the daughter a little baboon in a spacesuit. Okay, it's, so it's uh, a space baboon. Yeah, moon baboon. <laughs> yes, I see what you, what you did there. It's a good joke. The thing with that area is moon baboon captures you and locks you in this little space-themed area, and you have to get to him to be teleported back to May, or to be teleported back to Rose. And so we get these new mechanics where Cody can shrink and grow in size, and May gets boots that let her walk on walls and on the ceiling and stuff in certain mm-hmm. in certain spaces. Kind of yeah. like, uh, you know, in uh, the Ocarina of Time when you get the iron boots and then there's those magnetized areas where you have to walk on? Yeah. It's kind of like that. And so this area is kind of, I would say in my opinion, a little long in the tooth because the mechanics oh, aren't yeah. as fluid. Both mechanics slow you down. You have to go through like a gauntlet of puzzle solving. I don't know how you feel, but in my opinion, I'll I'll just get this out of the way right now. The game, its peak is very early. That tree level, it's perfect. Yeah. It's mwah, it's just you kiss. could just play the tree level, and I would have called this a good game. Mm-hmm. It makes it amazing. Not saying that the further you go on, the worse the game gets, because I think this is probably the lowest point is the moon level, and yeah. uh, the end is very fun. Uh, what do you think about all of that? Uh, one thing that I want to hit on here with uh, the size change in gravity boots, this is kind of like a reference also to another asymmetric controls we get later on, which is like time control or time control and clones. Like we'll get to it when we get to it. But this actually highlighted one feature where this did slow us down. And one thing I noticed is we each kind of like tuned our perception to things that we could do personally. Whereas I would walk into a room and I would instantly see, oh, I can walk on that wall, that wall, that wall. I can get up to this point and I just can see anything else. But then you would walk in and you would see like, oh, there's this hole I can climb in. Or if I grow this big, I can then push this like boulder around. It almost like we then had to collaborate to solve problems. Whereas in the previous levels, it was more like we were just running through doing call outs, like jump here, jump there. Like me and you've always been big on call outs. Mm-hmm. It's like there's there's enemies over there, or there's something we could probably light on fire over there. The the sap in the matches, we both needed to do one thing, whereas this one we were both doing our separate things that progressed us. Yeah, that's one thing I would give this level that kind of introduces us to is the separate roles that aren't exactly the same role. Because like you could say the tree level was just us both doing a shooter. It just mm-hmm. One person had to take down the shields, the other person had to get the kill. Then the uh, when we get to the end of the level, whenever you have to face off against Moon Baboon, there is kind of a uh, a fight with a... He's, he's in a UFO, and he's shooting down on you. And that part isn't exactly notable in any way, but whenever you hit him twice, he falls down and exposes a small little door so that Cody can jump into the UFO, and now it becomes Cody's doing this hardcore platforming inside of the UFO to try and get to Moon Baboon, and 
May is outside trying to not get murdered by all because yeah. all of a sudden it becomes kind of a miniature bullet hell, doesn't it? It does. Where... It becomes like a top-down bullet hell laser dodging puzzle, pretty much. And it's 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 one it's another one of those that's like this was worth it. At the end, when you get to that point, you're like, okay, I'm glad that I can become small and that you're running on walls and stuff because we are doing this craziness like you're you're running around in the ufo and you see moon boon's feet on the pedals pushing down and that's part of the yeah. part of the platforming where you're trying to get this game through. is so charming when you do get to the end you get to moon boon you actually are getting to an eject button like a classic seat <laughs> flies out <laughs> of the top eject button and it sends them to the moon and you fly the ufo to the moon and now you're doing a thing where it's the opposite of it's the warthog thing but it's the opposite your May is controlling this UFO where uh, Cody is in the inside trying to direct the laser beam. And the cool thing is, is that Cody can't see outside. He's looking at a little radar, kind of like what you would see in the old movies. Like, yeah, it uh, looks like Star Wars. Radar like thing. Where all he has is like a green radar. Like he can't actually see out of the turret. And uh, so you can see where Moon Baboon is on that, but the person driving the UFO has no idea. So they're watching your screen, trying to get a general direction of where Moon Baboon is. And you're, whenever you get to a point where the laser can see him, uh, he's just a tiny little baboon-shaped blip on the radar. <laughs> Running on the moon. He is fast, too. And, you're, and the UFO is moving, and he's running, and you're turning. So it's like... It's it becomes this real goofy like slow down I gotta hit him I can't I can't do anything down here it's very funny yeah we do get Moon Maboon and at that point we basically tell him hey we need to get to our daughter Rose and he's like I'll do anything to protect Rose it's like what are you gonna <laughs> do when you get there and we're like we're gonna make her cry because we think her tears can cure us and he is not into that I forget how we even. How did we convince him to take us to Rose? I forgot. Oh, we were like, whenever she, we were like, she doesn't ever play with you. So whenever we become human again, <laughs> we can convince her to play with you again, which is oh, dubious at best. Yeah, <laughs> like that, that was pretty shady of us. But we're pretty shady parents at this point. Oh, because especially that later. Is basically the premise of the whole thing. So we are trying to make her cry, and we see her favorite toy, which is the queen elephant. Who's this little elephant toy that is on top of the castle that Cody made for Rose? So we need to get there. So Moomaboon opens the path, and we proceed into basically the beginning of the castle, which includes a pirate ship section or a pirate-themed the, world. The pirate ship is another vehicle section. I think we could probably knock out all of the vehicles at this point, where again one person is controlling the uh, direction and everything, and the other person is doing some kind of offensive attack. This happens in the tree level as well, where you're in the water and you're on a shield, and so I'm controlling a, a rotor, basically, and you're shooting uh, missiles coming towards us. Yep. And then there's a beetle also, where one of us is controlling the beetle and the other one is is shooting stuff. Pirate ship is, is similar to that. It is notable, though, because it is very assassin's creed 3 feeling where you, yeah it, it's a good time it feels grandiose and then you look around and you see you're just in this tiny little army man sized yeah like i think the there's like some rubber ducks at some point it was just it was all you know honey i shrunk the kids you're just a tiny little bug pretty much 
you're fighting a stuffed animal kraken or octopus or something like that. Yeah. It's 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 very goofy. I think after that, you go into this area that turns you into a wizard and yeah. But you remember how we got the, the original powers? We had to walk in and we talked to the guards and said, "We need to see the queen." And they said, <laughs> "What are you going to do to the queen?" And I don't remember how they they messed it up. But I think one of them literally just said, like, we're going to kill her. <laughs> and they're like, you're going to kill the queen? And they're like, wait, no, I mean. And then next thing you know, they're in royal prison because Cody made one, a prison. One thing, of course, all castles have dungeons. And so, yeah. <laughs> so one thing we, I think we skipped over is we, we're going to, these parents are a little incompetent at the beginning. Oh, yeah. uh, almost all of the ideas that they come up with are wrong. And it's it's obvious that they're wrong. When you're watching, they're like, okay, so crying on the dolls turned us into dolls, so crying on the dolls will break the spell. And everyone's oh, like, yeah. no, oh. no, what? Yeah. This, this is a terrible idea. But uh, he goes along with, they go along with that for a long time where they're under the impression that crying will will break the spell. Now, the reason why we're going after the queen, which it's this, ele- this stuffed elephant with just a crown on it, it's because it's Rose's favorite toy, and they realize that Rose can't see them or hear them, but they can manipulate stuff around her, and she'll notice. So instead of, like, I don't know, grabbing a pencil and writing on the paper that she's looking at, they decide, we're going to go across the room and kill her favorite toy. We're going to kill it. And yeah, so, we're going to rip it to shreds, and that'll make her cry. And then we'll be cured. It's, uh, it's so dumb, because everyone, you're watching it like, no, what? But... Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's it's part of the the humor. And another thing, speaking of the humor, Doctor Hakeem, he's constantly interjecting throughout the game. Have you noticed that he never tried to stop them from doing any nope. of this? He was just like, "Okay, go do that." <laughs> you know, as yep. long as you're cooperating, I don't yeah, care. just learn but, clo- uh, collaboration. That was all he wanted you to do at that point. So when you get to the Diablo section, it's uh, you mean when so, you escape the dungeon in a dungeon crawler? Yeah, you escape the dungeon. Um, you have you you each have different powers. One person's controlling fire, and the other one's ice, right? Yep, that's or it. Or my, I'm trying deeply to remember. No, that's mm. it. Is like you're like an ice wizard, and I'm like a fire paladin knight thing, and I'm able to like shoot myself like a fire cannonball, and you're able to put out like freeze rays to like freeze things. So I can launch myself to like different platforms, and you can freeze like lava spouts and other platforms so that we can walk across them. Do you remember what the end boss was of that? Uh, I think it was just a bunch of knights. I think it was all we had to fight. It all starts running together when you're thinking about yeah. it like that. But this game well, is after, so varied. Yeah, there's it's so it was it's insane once you see the camera move out and then you see the cooldown boxes and the it, it's oh, like yeah. you're like oh my god I'm playing of a Diablo clone like it's. Like, like this game the is super accessible to any been. like new gamers, but, but like anyone can just jump in and play it. But all the seasoned gamers, whenever they jump in, they're gonna go, "Oh, this is Street Fighter," or "This is Star Fox," "This is Diablo." Like they're gonna say, "Like this is this game," and so it's almost like sharing those past gaming experiences with your co-op partner. Like you're almost like going through the feelings together. And there's even like callbacks, like. There's a lot of little, it's almost like Easter eggs, kind of, where, like, in the Diablo area, you're, 
running around and there are a bunch of just dead ends like there are just rooms it's like why can i go in here there's enemies in here but why is this even here and oh, there's yeah. so much of that in dungeon crawlers where you go in a direction and you're just like oh okay this wasn't the right direction and so you, you walk around the corner and there's like six dudes just standing there it's like what were you guys doing in here <laughs> so after the diablo section uh we we made it to the queen and she is super nice she invites us in for cookies and tea which we politely refuse. Well, Cody wanted to eat the cookies, but that's not what we were here for. Cody may start talking, and she overhears that they're going to try and kill her. She proceeds to run in fear, like Very a slowly. normal elephant would do. Yep. And <laughs> she's got tiny little stubby legs, and they're like, no, stop, don't go. And while they're arguing, the elephant runs over to an escape pod that was just there, and it's like, of course. <laughs> of course the Fantasy Castle had an escape rocket on, on the roof. She crashes into like a claw machine. Yeah, <laughs> so that we have to be right next her. to it. Yeah, yeah, it, it goes nowhere, and uh, and so you have to get her out. This whole time, she's she's so pathetic. It's like yeah. she's got this tiny voice. It, like it's it's a very innocent doll, but is doing nothing wrong. It's very yeah. nice and sweet, and uh, you, you gotta take her out of the claw machine, and you're trying to push her over the edge so that she falls onto the floor and breaks. This is a part where if you're playing with like a small child, this might traumatize that child. <laughs> this is it's brutal. It's it's unnecessarily brutal because the 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 elephant is like grabbing on it like it, you, I think the first thing you do is it its leg gets caught in the claw machine and you're pulling oh, it down yeah, that was it. and it rips the leg off of her. Yeah, you and completely then, rip the leg off the elephant and it's just screaming. Yeah, it's like, like, oh, no, please, no, why are you doing this? And you're pulling it, and it's grabbing onto a nail, and you pull it, and its arm rips off, and it's like, ah! <laughs> yeah, and then finally you get to the end, there's like a tiny thumbtack that's still, like, sticking out, and so it reaches out with its trunk to grab the thumbtack, and I'm like, oh, no. And then like, it starts <laughs> pulling on it, and then I think at that point, like, you rip off its ear, and then it just, like, I think it rips the trunk, too. And eventually just falls off into all these pieces onto the ground. So Where, fucking sad. Yeah, and Rose is sitting right there on the bed, watches as it just falls to the ground. And she's like, Queen Elephant? And like walks <laughs> over to it. It is just in the most gruesome pieces laying on the ground. Like it's not moving. She picks it up it and carries like it to the bed. happened to it. Yeah. It's like, this is so brutal. So she takes it back to bed. And is looking at it, and she's had a rough day. Her parents have told her that they're getting divorced. Uh, she is literally just like spending time. Oh, by the way, throughout each level, we cut back to Rose to see how she's doing. Just to remind you, this is not a fun game. This is a sad game. And Rose, well, yeah, like she has the book, the self help book, the, the book of love, Dr. Hakeem. And she brings it to dad, and she's like, Dad, I got this book, and I really think it'll help you and mom out. But their soul's not in their bodies. So dad is staring at a computer screen, completely blank, doesn't answer her, <laughs> just an uncomfortable 10 seconds of, dad, I got something for you. Then silence. And then she's like, I guess you're busy. And she walks away. And <laughs> it is so brutal. That's always like the stigma or whatever, like American parents are so busy all the time. They don't have time for their kids. Like how hard is it just to care about your kids? And to see that played out on, I don't know, a screen like this, like, it hurts. It hurts to yeah, see that. It's, it's like, I'm not sad. I'm, I'm not sad. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm not crying. You're crying. 
it's 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 so juxtaposed against the rest of the game which is very fun and and goofy and it's like a comedy game and then all of a sudden it's the up scene from the beginning of up where you watch yeah. the guy's life go by uh and and then you're like okay well go have fun again yeah, yeah let's so, go back let's uh, do um, let's do some mini games <laughs> or in like if we talk about where may is at this point may is overworked as an engineer and she's having migraines so she's just lay down on the couch and she's just like basically look, looks like she's taking a nap and of course rose comes in to talk to her and gets no response either yeah, she's like, I, uh, I think I talked to dad, and I think that he said that he wanted to be friends with you again. You know, yeah. it's like, oh god, that basically trying like to be the go-between. Yeah, a kid would think that that would work. Yeah, dad told me to tell you that he doesn't want a divorce. He's actually doing. He actually wants to be best friends again. Yep, and so she's having a rough day. So she starts crying projectile tears down onto this elephant where her parents, as voodoo dolls, run in and start laughing and dancing yeah. in, like, a shower of her tears. Going like, yeah, and they're, like, they're, like, rubbing it in. They're, like, yeah, we did it. High fives all around. And You're just thinking about Moon Baboon laying there yeah. almost, almost near death because yeah. we needed to get there. <laughs> we think about um, all the squirrels we exploded inside the tree when we were doing our escape. But, yeah, surprise, the tears don't work. Yeah, as everyone, everyone looking on knows. <laughs> it's, it's, it, Hakim shows up, and then he's. He, this is when he uh, puts us into the snow globe, right? Or is it after that? Uh, no, we had to go through the cuckoo clock first. Mm. Because yeah, he takes right. us to the attic? No, he takes us to like the hallway. That was it, where the cuckoo clock is. And the cuckoo clock was like broken, I think. And so they had... At this point, they had a special note that Hakim grabbed from Rose that was supposed to be the cure to turn mom and dad back to normal. But Hakim rips it up into four pieces and says, I'll give you one piece if you go through therapy. And he then like straps you into like a couch and says, like, it's time for couples therapy. And of course, neither neither mom and dad or they're not into it at all. They're just like, look, we'll just do it to get the paper and we'll move on. That's how it, because really, as soon as they realize that their whole plan that they've been doing for like, well, I think it's like five five hours of gameplay <laughs> has been leading up to that point. They're just dejected. They're like, okay, we're listening to Doctor Hakeem. We just need we just, but yeah. we're not doing it for therapy. We're doing it just to progress to get back to our bodies because done. we still want a divorce, which they would <laughs> reiterate every like half level or so. Yeah, they're like, remember, divorce time. Stop yeah, having like, fun. Yeah, we're not here to have fun, even though they are having fun a lot of the time. Then. They, he transforms us extra small, puts us inside a cuckoo clock world where we each have, like, uh, Cody has time control powers where he can move things back in time and then bring them forward again. And May has the ability to make clones where it's more like a teleporter marker spot where she can place a spot, walk away, and then instantly teleport back to that spot when she needs to. I was going to say, this is just another one of those interesting uh, points. And... Uh, in the game where the mechanics change your perception of the room. Mm -hmm. You walk into a room and there's two buttons. And instead of going, oh, we need to stay on these buttons, May's going, oh, I should probably put a clone on one of these buttons for yeah. later. And then uh, when you're playing as Cody, 
Cody's walking around and Cody's a little bit harder to notice, but it'll show like a little symbol that where you can do time control stuff. And so you're walking around just trying to find all of the pieces that let you manipulate them. And you're trying to figure out, okay, why can I manipulate this? Why can I manipulate that? And you go over, you're messing with it, seeing if if it explodes or if it like falls down or something. And so you're like, oh, this is a platform. Oh, this thing spins. And and it's like the collaboration. Yeah, the because collaboration. we're each looking for different things in each level. Because I was looking like, where can I go? What can I do with cloning powers? And then... What I really had to do was mix them with your time travel powers, of course, because that's the whole point of the game. Takes two. Go ahead and like put a dollar in the it takes two to do something jar. <laughs> because that's the whole game. I would need you to reverse time to a certain point so I could put a clone somewhere. Then when you would return time to normal, I could teleport back into whatever you had moved. Because otherwise it wouldn't be accessible in like our normal time. Do you remember what was there? There were boss fights for this area too, were there not? I don't think so. I think it was just like solving puzzles. Oh, there was like, there was times where it's like time with, oh, actually, yeah, there was the clock tower sections where we had to go. Yeah, that was like the boss fight was there were like two challenge zones that were like clock towers that we had to then fly on. on oh, right. To turn the shield on off like Griffins that area. or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's something crazy. Yeah, it was some. Oh, and they were like, shoot, like, yeah, that was another weird vehicle. Like, like this game is just so much variety. I don't know if we can hit it all. Yeah, we've definitely probably skipped a couple of things. Once you get through with that area, they put you into the snow globe. And the snow globe is kind of, it's like a, from a, what is it? What are those stores? Uh, ah, God, where you get things. This, this trinket. A souvenir shop? Souvenir shop. Good I Lord. have a trinket from the store for you. Yeah, the souvenir, the, a souvenir shop for like a resort. And it was yeah. a re- you learn at the end, it's where they proposed. And you kind of get the feeling of that because they're like, oh, we haven't been skiing in so long. You know, you're, they, they do a lot years. of foreshadowing. Yeah. Like, How old is our kid? Nine years. <laughs> Nine years old. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the um, whole mechanic in this area is that you both get magnets. And so one has the positive side and one has the negative side. And at the beginning, I don't remember what the reason why is, but they don't, they don't connect to each other they won't attract their each other attraction wasn't strong enough as to dr e- akim had put it and so they had to redevelop their attraction to clear the level you're going through their little points that this one's positively charged uh, piece of metal so the negative one can jump over there and then they have to do something so that the po- per- person who's positive can jump up there too and once you get the attraction up then you both are able to jump onto each other so it becomes kind of like a speed run where you're the person who's positive can jump off of this platform and then the person who's negative re, uh, attracts to them and just flies mm-hmm. through the air at them like it's Thor's hammer. Which this level and this certain mechanic has to be my like number one co-op mechanic of the game. The whole magnet section. I just loved it so much because it also the application of the magnet seemed almost endless because... We were also skiing and skating, and we went snorkel diving with the magnets. They basically took the portal to the blue and orange portals, where it is a required team experience to beat something. We have to cooperate or collaborate. They could have made a whole game out of just these magnets. 
Yeah, the magnets. That's definitely the the whole snow globe level. I think is like my second favorite area because it's so fast. There's a water section, and you're like, oh, a water level. But yeah. they have a bunch of little mag pieces of magnetized metal in the water where you're basically not in water. You're just Spider Man swinging around this whole area, and that's what it, feels it definitely like. feels awesome. It's very very fast and fluid, which I you could say about all of the game. Like the the platforming is excellent and easy. There's the double jump, and then you have a dash that you can do on the ground or in the air. You bounce off of the walls like you're a fucking pinball. You can mm -hmm. hold onto the walls, like grip on there to try. If you can, in case you don't know where you're going, you can try and figure it out. All of those uh, base mechanics of the game they're amplified by these magnets because these magnets are just flinging you everywhere. Yeah, like it almost seems broken how fast you go, especially at the end where you're doing this kind of it's like the end of halo games where you're running away from like mm -hmm. explosions and everything's falling and stuff the it's a big set piece and you're skiing and there are magnetized little poles in the ground and when you grab onto them when you mag you point your magnet at them it flings you forward you just go so fast yeah it's so fun I think you actually you're skating. I think you're ice skating, aren't you? Yeah, I think you ice skate, but you ice skate in the, the ski sections. What I really like about the magnets, too, is like the magnets is the mechanic of the level, but you basically go through almost like three different sections with the magnets. Like if we just go back to like, it's almost like there is the underwater section, like, oh, the token underwater level, it's here. Mm -hmm. But it's not about being underwater. It's about using magnets in a 3D space. Because while you're swimming, for one instance, there was like a snow globe that you had to go into. And I had to rotate a bridge inside it with my magnet while you went across it. And you were only able to move in no water because there's no water inside. So you were walking normally. But I was able to, in three dimensions, swim all the way around the snow globe and move the bridge with you on it. And of course, the level ends with us redeveloping our attraction for each other. <laughs> oh, Hakeem. Yep. And so at this point, we have two of the, the pieces of paper that we need. But they basically say something we had already read before the paper was ripped up, which is like, Mom and Dad, I know how to fix this. And then it's like cut off instantly as Dr. Akeem ripped it in half. <laughs> the um, um, next area he puts us in, it's actually the next two areas. Now that we've developed our attraction for each other again, um, what he wants us to do is he wants us to find our passion our and passion. so ah, yeah. <laughs> hakeem is a pretty awesome character and yeah, he's so good apparently cody who he drops a couple of knowledge bombs throughout the campaign or you know the story where <laughs> yeah. he knows a whole lot about biology like he knows he's, when you're in this little area with fish and he knows the fish and or he knows that bumblebees are big pollinators which yeah. is the thing that he talks to the bumblebee about in the tree his passion is gardening, so it takes him out to this garden. And the mechanics split here again in an asymmetrical way, where May kind of turns into May's uh, gameplay kind of turns into like a Devil May Cry scenario, where she has a sickle yeah. and she can attack with it, and then she has a long-range weapon which is just water, but it uh, affects a lot of stuff that's around her. Whereas Cody, he he ha the whole time he has a little sprout on his head, uh, Hakeem turns that sprout into a plant that he can kind of boxing glove shoot out, and he can grab stuff with. It's kind of like he's just vine whipping as a Bulbasaur 
from Pokemon. Yeah, that's what it looks like. With that. Along with that, along with that thing on his head, he actually be- gets the power to transform into different plants, kind of like a, a beast boy for vegetation. But he needs May's help watering the the plant area so that he can turn into them. How deep do you want to go into uh, the garden section? We got at least there's the not a whole lot. The mole area, <laughs> the moles, their running animation. That's the one thing that I think about when I think about the stupid moles. Yeah, but the moles were so funny because it had the mandatory stealth section, which wasn't bad. I think we were only um, caught what like once, and that was just because we were messing around. Yeah, I think we got caught three or four times, but it was because one time I sabotaged you because yeah. the whole section may is the one stealthing and I turn into moss. So there's like nut like sh- the shells of nuts all around and so she has to <laughs> so walk on me and make sure that she doesn't make too much noise to wake up these moles. And I can just I'm way faster than her. So I can just leave. <laughs> leave her there, which of course if you're if you're playing games like this, you've got to kill each other a couple of times. It's hard to not yeah, it's try so and do funny. that if you can. Once the game gives you the power, it's always going to happen. <laughs> the game gives you the power to end your partner's life instantly. It's just like if I let go of this, you're just yeah. going to fall into the ground. It's like I'm holding but, uh, the door open, but I can let go real quick and I'll just crush you. That whole mole section ends in another set piece where you're running away from them, and it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, definitely 10 out of 10 moles would recommend. And after that part, you got to go and... Because uh, uh, the main thing you notice is that a lot of the plants are... It's like a... What is it? Like a, a parasite or something? Do you remember? Yeah, apparently the plants are corrupted. And it's up to um, May to like cut them out so that Cody can become more like... Become one with his hobby or one with his passion again. You find out that the source of the corruption is actually from the very first plant that he ever put into the greenhouse, which he names Joy because he always wanted Joy to be part of their lives. You know how people are at the beginning of their in the Cringe, honeymoon bro. period. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's something, <laughs> and it's you know, if you're playing with your with your partner, you're probably looking at him like, oh, look at. I I got something like that, you know what I mean? It's something like that. It, towards the end of this game, when they're falling in love, it's kind of hard when you're playing with your your dude friend and you're, you're, these people are falling in love in front of you. It's like watching yeah. a romance comedy, a uh, romantic comedy with your friends. It's kind of it gets hard no, at some. It's places. more than that. It's almost like if you were reading the script of a romantic comedy and we were each reading like you know the main characters' roles to each other. Yeah. The game that part ends in like a Devil May Cry sequence where uh, Cody is getting turned into different various plants. He's like getting turned into a potato or something, and yeah. he is just rolling around like body slamming things. Where where May is running around just chopping everything down, and uh, once you cure the flower, Hakim shows up, and you're like, okay, cool. He Learned his, he reinvigorated his passion. Which one thing that's nice about that area is, it's like the reason why he stopped being a gardener is because she was never really around to appreciate it or encourage him. And it's cool because Hakim is like, hey, you know, you don't need somebody there to validate your hobby. The only reason that you stopped playing doing your hobby is because you didn't want to do it anymore. 
and you're yeah. just like there's a lot of like there are nuggets in there where i'm just like huh that is actually a little deep like i'm feeling Which, this one right now if you look at like well in the beginning cutscene of this level it's more like may gets called out for never encouraging him and they just leave it at that and so they basically give him the answer all the way at the end of this level where it's not about may encouraging him it's about you know him following his own passion and that's when the game flips it on may and shows us what her passion is, if you want to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, her passion is actually music and singing. We leave the garden and go back into the house, all the way up to the attic, where we find an old record player. And the record player is pretty dusty and all put up, and has her favorite record on it. And Dr. Hakim says, it's time to reinvigor- reinvigorate your passion. So, we need to get you singing. But of course, if we're going to sing, we need some good music. So you have to gather all the equipment you need to put the stage together. It's like, you need lights, you need a speaker, we need a whole orchestra, we need Microphone. an audience. Yeah. And the mechanics basis in this one is Cody gets a giant symbol that he basically uses as a Captain America shield. And May ends up using her voice. She can sing. She can basically do like sonic booms if she's targeting. Or she can sing a long note and it basically like charms or like opens up certain things whenever she uses it i almost feel like this one felt a little short on the actual like kind of cross mechanic usage maybe there's like one or two parts but mostly it was just like okay what tool do we need to get through here like okay there's a wall that i can shatter with my singing or there's a button you can press with the symbol this one seemed a lot more simple that we were just rushing through real quick it is a good point to hit on where the environments of this game are very unique and interesting, and they're mm-hmm. always very they're always varied, and uh, you can tell that a lot of work went into imagining these worlds and kind of making them real. So inside of this, you whenever you're getting the speaker, you're inside of a jukebox, and I I pick up like a little speaker and you're standing next to a microphone and when you yell into the microphone it makes a sonic boom in front of me and I'm walking around the circuit board blowing up all of the things that are in my way yeah. and it's and like whenever we're going for uh whenever we need our audience we go into this it, it's like a little DJ booth in the attic for glow sticks and the glow sticks are going into this uh club basically and you got to go in there and be a dj and there's like four different things it's like, kind of like overcooked where we're running around trying to make sure that all of the things are satisfied so that the yep. audience doesn't get angry <laughs> so that when they're hyped up uh hakeem can come scoop them up and take them to the the stage that we're making the record player out of yeah then once we gather up all our gear and it is time for may to go sing she is just super nervous and scared, even though she's singing to a bunch of glow sticks and a bunch of, like, empty suits that we gathered from a heaven orchestra at one point. Like, yeah. We're just kind of brushing past the whole heaven section, but there were these really annoying demons that were basically just like, smell you later! <laughs> and they, like, ran yeah, away. Purposefully aggravating voices. Yeah, like, it was just so, like, it also seemed a little rushed at that point, because we also just, like, flew through that, too. Like, the heaven levels were basically clouds with big golden buildings on it. There wasn't much to those. So May's scared. 
Cody's going to man the like engineer booth for like the lights and everything. And he says, you know, break a leg, see you out there. Uh, and May the is good, lift. He gives her the good advice of imagine the glow sticks in their underwear. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> Excellent advice. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks, Cody. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah. And so May says, like, I can't do this. And Dr. Akeem's like, what's wrong? And she's like, uh, like, I haven't practiced. It's been so many years. It's not going to be perfect. And I owe it to them to be perfect. And I even wrote this one down. Where Dr. Akeem then says to her, you weren't born to be perfect. You were born to be you. And, like, I remember me and Nave were both watching that point, and I was just like, dang, that's, that's, a, that's a deep cut. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, anytime you make anything in life, you want it to be perfect. And surprise, nothing you do is ever going to be totally perfect. And so... To hear that in a major, like, this is a, I would say it's a triple-A game. Like, I wouldn't know how to, like, rank those per se. Like, I don't know how much budget went into. But for them to literally just put this out there to try and, I don't know, like, affect people. Like, it, it affected me. I don't know how you felt at this point. A lot of the uh, stuff with the child was, it was very hard to watch. You're just like, ah, it's... It's painful. It's it's not good. And um you just want this outcome that's coming. You see this outcome coming, but you you really want it at the end. Oh yeah. It's yeah, like very two, cheesy, but it's yeah, but it's good. Like we gotta stop the divorce. <laughs> so we get surprise, surprise. She goes out and performs. She sings. It's awesome. Everyone cheers. And then magically Cody and May float up into the air. They look at each other and then we're both sitting there. And it's like a single prompt pops up on either one of our screens that just says, hold Y. And I'm like, okay, I'm holding Y, Nave. You know, like, yeah. I do. Get over just, here. Yeah, yeah, they just start smooching. And, you know, they basically say, like, maybe, maybe we won't get divorced. And yeah, I think the kiss is what actually breaks the curse. Because I think they disappear after that, right? Yeah. Well, at that point, they reappear back with Dr. Akeem, I think. And he reads them the rest of the note, or like a narrator reads the note in Rose's voice. And I don't remember the exact way it went, but it Wait, basically we were humans at that point. Oh, were we? Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, the note was the note was on the bed. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's it. We turn human. We run upstairs to Rose's room because we haven't seen her in thirteen hours since we've been playing this game. And <laughs> it's very long. Yeah, very long game. Definitely get your money's worth. And the note's like, uh, "Mom and Dad." I uh, know how to fix everything. The problem is, is you need to stop fighting. You're like, okay, yeah. So I'm running away. I know it's all my fault. And you're like, oh, no, no. <laughs> that's, but that seems like what a kid would think, right? Yeah. She's like, don't worry. I have just enough money to get a bus ticket to get out of here forever. And you're like, no. <laughs> and then like the whole time you're reading it, it's like cutting to her and she's like walking down the street, sitting at the bus stop. And it's like, oh, no. So Cody and May run down the street sprinting with their totally realistic running animations, where as opposed to everything Very else. Very disappointing. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was like, oh, because in the game, they each have unique running animations, and they're both very dumb. <laughs> like, because yeah. they're dumb little dolls. But uh, now they're just regular old humans. Yeah, very boring. So they run down there, and of course, uh, they say like, hey, you know, let's go home. Uh, Rose is like, okay, you know, is everything all right? They're like, yeah. And they see that she has the book, Dr. Akeem's Book of Love. They're like, oh, this is a good book. 
And she's like, oh, you know the sprinkler? <laughs> she's like, where'd you get it? He's like, oh, I pulled it out of the trash at school. You know? <laughs> it's like, okay. You know, it's kind of funny, though, because, like, my eight-year-old daughter also just pulls things out of the trash and tries to keep them. And I'm like, stop it. Stop bringing things home. It's at the beginning of the game. He's like, I was flying off the shelves, and your daughter got lucky when she picked me up. <laughs> she was yeah. using the trash at the, at the whole time. <laughs> oh, Dr. Hakeem. And then it pretty much rolls the credits after that point. Uh, so before we move on to the maybe review portion of it, uh, just hit on some of the mini games. Like there's these little tambourine mini games spread throughout the whole game. There's got to be like 30 or 40 of them. There's so many. And they are literally just competitive games that you play against the other player. And those were so much fun. Like I was like yelling when we were playing some of them. Like I remember like my favorite one had to be the laser tennis, which is a laser dodging geometry wars bullet hell type game where you're trying like, to press buttons on the ground to send lasers to the other guy's side and he's doing the same thing it, it's it's very intense and there's a whole lot of screaming at each other because it's like sometimes you're on a wall and a laser spawns right there and you're like no what what happened and, and you have your health bars so you can only get hit a couple of times and <laughs> it's very goofy a lot of the tambor a lot of the uh tambourine mini games they pan out that way where they're usually very balanced and cl- they're close to each other uh, another mini game i want to mention is in the attic we uncovered chessboard and we were like what kind of mini game is this going to be it's literally chess we played a 10 minute game of chess where <laughs> you beat the crap out of me but i was just so impressed that for no reason at all. They just put chess in there. This game's not afraid to just have things for fun. There's a whole lot of other mini games that aren't actually labeled as mini games too. Like, um, I don't know if you ever played that game with the hippo and the teeth and you had to push the teeth in. And so basically you take turns pushing one of the teeth and if you push in their sore tooth, he'll close his fe- mouth down on your finger yeah. <laughs> and you go, ah, he got my finger, you know? And so you, that is fully functional in this game. There's almost a... I, I feel like there's no way that it's actually as functional as it looked on the surface, but there was a little drum machine thing, like three of them, and you can make a little song, and that that was it seemed functional. Like it was doing what we were pre- putting in. Like you just yeah. had to figure out what the buttons, which lines of buttons meant what, and stuff like that. That's basically how we came up, how you came up with the uh, the theme of the podcast that's in right now. Is oh yeah, like that. I just made it in GarageBand using like a drum kit, like set up just like that. And this one had like three fully functionings that were like mixed together that you could then go in and like program your own little tracks. And then whenever you go on to the area, when you move on to the next area, the music that's playing is like a variation of what you had just what you had just made. Yeah, it's because very it, it requires you to do it to move on. So you ready to get to the reviews? Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. All right, Nave. Let's start with you. How do you feel about It Takes Two? As far as a cooperative game, it's a no-brainer. Um, the main thing, of, as far as value is concerned, is I think we brought this up earlier. We should have. I don't remember if we did. Um, the game's only $30, and it has uh, the, you have the ability to play the game even if you don't own it. So rather than buying two copies for the game, you only need one. And so the way that we played is I purchased my copy, 
and I and you were able to go into the Microsoft Store and download the uh, what was it called? The It Takes Two version or something? Yeah, I think it's called like the Friends version. Actually, it has like a so, silly name. Yeah, the you you get you so you download the whole game, but it's basically locked so that you can't actually start the game. Uh, you're required to be in a lobby where I have the game, and so you only need to pay only thirty dollars for all of this fucking content. It's it at least. 10 11 hours that we played this game right oh yeah and it was a minute it took it took it felt like it took a while uh, multiple different sittings because we were trying to absorb it all, all as well the value is there the price is perfect 30 dollars for something like this um the appeal is great i mean unless you're looking for the most serious grizzled uh realistic game like if you only play uh battlefield and call of duty yeah you're, you're a sweaty you're not boy you will not enjoy this um, but you might know somebody who would enjoy this. That is another appealing uh, thing. With the couch co-op and the online co-op, both of those things being a reality for this game, you probably know someone in your direct vicinity who will play this game and be like, I'm, in- I'm enjoying this thoroughly. Like, if you have a mom or a-, a girlfriend. Yes, play this game with your mom or girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, one of the- it's, it's the Pixar quality is... Or the Pixar, uh, the Pixar feelings you get from it, uh, the yeah. quality's up there. Well, I would also review this game very highly. I would say, play this game if you have a chance, even if it's just for like one level. Like, download the game, just have someone come over and be like, "Hey, play this level with me." Just put on the squirrel level, and just play yeah. through, and they will have their mind blown. Like after just playing through the squirrel level, they'll be like, "Let's start the game over from the very beginning." I got to see what's going on. <laughs> like, you literally just, they're like, hey, uh, you want to just play something? Sure, bud, what do you want to play? I got this game about a couple that's trying to get a divorce, but then they get <laughs> um, attacked by squirrels in a giant tree, and they have to blow them up with matches and explosive sap. I don't know if you like it. They would like it. Just get that game and play with them. So, what do you think we should do for our next video? Uh, I don't want to beat the Outriders drum any more than I already did the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. we did actually find out that we can connect to each other, which is, you know, that's the progress report. We didn't actually play too much of it. We just got, I think, a little bit into the first level. Um, another game, other than that, though, I would really want to look into Fallout 76. And I have played a little bit of that game, and it does just kind of feel like Fallout. A little bit too much emphasis on the uh, base building, which I did not like in Fallout 4. I never really uh, messed with any of that. but um. It seemed like a Fallout game that is just multiplayer, and it released in a horrible state, but I would be willing to give it a chance, uh, the same way that I'm telling everybody to give the Master Chief Collection a chance. My alarm just went off on my phone. That sucks. Uh, what about you? What do you think? I really don't have any suggestions at this point. I'm unprepared of this. I could give us another one. Um, Dead, Space, uh, Dead Space 3 seems like a pretty awesome game, too. Oh, and yeah, I we began did to do Dead Space Three. We did mention a whole bunch throughout the. We kind of sprinkled them throughout the podcast too, where we were talking about it, uh, a way out, and God knows what else that we were talking about. Dragon oh, yeah. Builders. I'm sure we'll find Dragon something. Builders is something that we might be able to enjoy, or something like Minecraft, just to have a uh, a free flowing, freestyle podcast, kind of. And. This is the section where we would read any comments or emails we got from our listeners at home. We have not received any. 
and it's also <laughs> only our second episode. Yeah. So, you listeners, this is your call to action. Send us an email at gamingtogetherpod at gmail.com, and maybe we can read it on the air or answer any questions. We should have it probably in like a description or something. It is in the like, description. Probably. Okay, yeah, I don't know how any of this works. You're the one yeah. You're the one on the logistical side doing all of that sorcery. I just kind of, I'm like, oh, there it is. It's here now. <laughs> yeah, it's through the internet. <laughs> all right, co-partners, thanks for checking in with us. This is going to be Philip and Nave calling it quits. Maybe we can play a game together next time. See ya. See ya.